Um, don't bother. Don't, don't mess with me because I have to pull pin. I'll mess you all up. Don't mess with me, my mic. Um, uh, need to meet with all the parents, grandparents for, for the wilds. Just really quick, right after the service, if I can meet with you uh, down here in the front, uh, right after uh, the services this morning or this evening. And then um, Wednesday night. Wednesday night, um, or Wednesday night, Wednesday morning, 9 o'clock, uh, Scripture Assembly. Uh, so if you can make it to that, going to have it over in the Fellowship Hall, 9 o'clock. Uh, and then Sunday night after church, Sunday night after church, we're going to have Scripture. It's been a while. Some of you may not be familiar with that. But what we do is we meet together. We uh, assemble some Scriptures, have fellowship together, eat together. Um, and that eating involves everybody bringing a finger food, okay? So everybody just brings something, and then we kind of eat all, uh, all together and, um, and then uh, assemble Scriptures, actually assemble Scriptures first. We don't want anybody skipping out after they eat. And so uh, we assemble Scriptures first. Uh, I, I've got, got some of you all figured out. Um, and, then, and then we'll fellowship together. Uh, right after, um, right after we uh, assemble the scriptures, and so that'll be Sunday night, uh, Sunday night after church, uh, and um, so make mark your calendars, uh, uh, mark your calendars down uh, for that if you would. First Thessalonians chapter number one. We uh, started this morning uh, about this church in Thessalonica, this church that had an effect, uh, that was a help and a blessing to other areas. Uh, to other churches, to other people, uh, the people in Macedonia, the people in Achaia. Paul was commending this church and, and, uh, and telling them what a, uh, what, a good ch- what a good church they had become and what an example, or as he says in verse number 7, uh, in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And so when people are watching, are we being the example uh, that God has called us to be and God means us to be in, um, in our area, in, 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 uh, in Rinkin, in Effingham County, in Georgia? Are we being uh, an example uh, of the church if, uh, if uh, somebody had to write about Rinkin Baptist Temple? And write it down. What would they write about our church? Would be uh, be a church that has left an example, or that is leaving an example? Are we? We talked about this morning. Are we a grounded church? Are we a grounded church? If we are not grounded, we will be moved about with every wind of doctrine that comes along. What we should be concerned about is Christ and not the fads of our day. Uh, Fads come and go. And when they come, they come in like a whirlwind and then they leave. And I always say this, I always say, keep, you know, keep your clothes, they'll come back around. And uh, I remember when I joined joined the Navy, one thing that the Navy's known for is their bell-bottom pants. And uh, I'm telling you something right now, I, I... they're, they're terrible. I mean, I mean, you just got to be a very nice looking person to, to, to pass off on, on, on bell bottom pants. But they have a purpose. Most people think they're fashioned. They're, they're not fashioned for the Navy. The bell bottom pants are 
so that they're so big that when you get in the water and you don't have a life preserver, you can actually take your 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 pants off. This not, no, I'm not joking. And you can pick them up and you can put air in them and slam them into the water and you can tie the tops and it's a life preserver. So that's the whole point of, so next time you wear bell-bottom pants because, you know, they're back in again. I can't keep up. They're back in, back out, whatever they are. Next time you go to the beach, you wear bell-bottom pants, okay? And so just in case you need to float. But fads is what I'm talking about. Got rabbit hole, the whole thing. And so I just went right down that one. But my point is things come and go. Hairstyles, they come and go. Clothing, it comes and goes. You know, what people say comes, uh, 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 comes and goes. And I, I, remember, uh, I remember saying something um, uh, a while back. My kids were a little bit younger. And um, I remember my kids saying, Dad, that's, that's so early 2000s. It's like, yeah, that was really a real long time ago, right? And so, but what was the point? The point is, we, people don't say that anymore. Why? Because it's changed. TV shows change. Movies change. All these things change in life. And if we're not grounded, we're going to be moved with every little thing that comes along. Just like a pendulum that swings to and fro every time somebody says something, every time somebody comes up with something, every time somebody has a newfangled idea, we'll be moved with that wind of doctrine. Every time there's a false teacher or uh, every time there's a, uh, a false doctrine that comes along, we will be duped. Do you know how many people are duped in this world? Do you know how many people uh, are, are trapped in... Some of the most biggest nonsense that people can believe. You ever, you, ever, you ever wonder that? You ever wonder how in the world could you possibly believe that that can be true? Let me tell you. you know, let me tell you how. Two things. One, we're gullible. And two, we're not grounded. And when something comes along that doesn't sound right, the believer, the Christian... The one that is in Christ, because I talked about it this morning, we need to be grounded in Christ. The one that's grounded in Christ, they're going to turn to the truth and not to some TV evangelist or some book or some um, crackpot idea. That's what there are out there. There's crackpot ideas of what, uh, of what people believe because we're not... Uh, we're not grounded in what we believe. So we need to be grounded in Christ. And tonight I want to talk about being not only grounded in Christ, but we need to be grounded in the truth. What is truth? Have you ever thought about that statement? What is truth? What makes truth? John 17, 17, we talked about it this morning. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I want you to know a couple things about truth. Number one, truth isn't based on what you think. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. But truth is already settled. Truth isn't being settled. Truth is already settled because we're not settling truth. God has already settled truth. Okay? So it's not a matter of what we think. It's not a matter of how we feel. Our feelings have nothing to do with truth. Well, I and listen, be careful the person when you begin to talk about a doctrine, when you begin to talk about the Bible, and they use this statement, well, I feel. 
Time out. Listen, our feelings, I mean, our feelings are like, are like roller coasters, some worse than others, but our feelings are like roller coasters, right? Sometimes we feel great. Sometimes we don't feel so great. You know, there are times where I, I, I want to, you know, I want to talk in fellowship. When I'm sick, I'm the person to leave me alone. Shut the door, turn off the lights, give me my recliner, throw some bread and water underneath the door every once in a while, and just let me be sick. I'm a miserable sick person, and I just want to be left alone. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to answer questions. Bless her. My wife will check on me, and she'll ask me a litany of questions. I don't want to answer them. My head hurts. My stomach hurts. My toe hurts. My finger hurts. Everything hurts. And no, I'm not going to the doctor. Just leave the water and go. And she, she said, no, you've got to. Oh, no, I just want to be. You know why? Because our emotions, right? Our emotions are sometimes up and sometimes they're down. We don't base what we believe off our emotions. If we base what we believe off our emotions, we are going to be in a mess. And guess what? We're in a mess because of what we believe. Truth isn't based on what we think, and truth isn't based on what we feel. Can I tell you this last one? Truth isn't based on what we believe. Whether I believe God's word is truth or not has no bearing on the truth. Let me give you an example. I can argue with a math teacher until I am absolutely blue in the face that one plus one doesn't equal two. You're tell me, listen to me. One plus one equals two. It's always equal to. It's always going to equal to. It is a fact. Right? It's not a theory. It's not an idea. It's not what I made up. That's why I say all the time, don't, don't shoot the messenger. I'm not the one that came up with the truth. God's the one that came up with the truth. And whether you believe it or not has no bearing on the facts of the Word of God. That's why we can stand up unapologetically and preach the unadulterated Word of God. Why? Because it's the Word of God. You can't get mad at me. I'm just a messenger. I'm just telling you what God's Word says. Well, I don't feel. Well, I don't believe. Well, I don't think. Well, it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't change. Now, it's going to matter in your life. Don't misunderstand me. It's going to matter in the people's lives around you. But it's not going to matter when it comes to the Word of God. God's Word is settled, and God's Word is truth, regardless of what any man says or what any church says. And you can, you can pull out doctrinal statements, and you can pull out books and well let me tell you what so and so believes and and he doesn't believe this and and she doesn't believe that and but it doesn't it doesn't really matter because let God be true and every man a liar. Now that's not saying every man's a liar, but it's saying what is it saying? It's saying if you are in contradiction to the word of God, the word of God always trumps you. Always trumps my thinking, always trumps your thinking, always trumps, uh, trumps uh, what you perceive the Word of God to say. That's where we get in ourselves in trouble in our churches today. We take the Word of God and then we say, okay, let me twist it just a little bit. Let me tweak it just a little bit. 
Here's a famous saying that people love to say. My Bible says. Okay, what Bible are you using? Show me what your Bible says. I want to know. Because, by the way, you should be this way too. If I'm wrong, I want to know I'm wrong. I don't want to walk around life ignorant. Not on purpose. I don't want to walk around preaching one thing when the Bible says another. I want to know when I'm wrong. And so, uh, so if, if your Bible says, and you're carrying the same Bible I'm carrying, then guess what? We need Now, you're, you're carrying a, you know, a Mormon Bible or a Jehovah's Witness Bible, or you, know, you, you want to get talking about the Koran. Now, we're talking about two different things, okay? But if you're talking about the Bible that I'm carrying, listen, I want to know, okay, here's thus saith the Lord. Not thus saith Joe Springer. Not thus, thus saith Zach Yates. Not thus saith uh, uh, Betty Wilson. But what thus saith the Lord. This is what God's Word says. I always get you, Mike, so I thought I'd just go one next to you. So, and I'm afraid of Trudy, so I went over to Miss Betty. Uh, but we, the, what is, I'm just kidding. What, what is thus saith the Lord? Because that's truth. And truth is what sets us free. You know why we're in bondage? Because we're not grounded in the truth. We're not grounded in truth. And when you're not grounded in truth, I'm telling you, it'll get you, it'll get you in trouble uh, in your life. It'll get you in trouble in your everyday life. Uh, and it'll get us uh, in trouble as a church as well. What, uh, why do we function the way we function? Because of the truth. Why do we raise the kids the way, or this should be, why do we raise our kids the way we raise them? Because of truth. Why do we function as a church the way we function? Because of the truth. We've got to go back to facts. We've got to go back to truth. We've got to go back to the Word of God. I love this. William Lyon Phelps. Anybody ever read anything by William Lyon Phelps? Anybody know who he is? He's one of the most inspiring professors back when Yale was a Christian college. You know, you know why Yale was started, right? Yale and Harvard both were started for, for preachers. They were started uh, for people going into full-time Christian service. And, and William uh, 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 Phelps said this. He said, I believe knowledge of the Bible. Now, this is one of the most inspiring professors at Yale University made this statement. I believe knowledge of the Bible without a college course is more valuable than a college course without a Bible. That's a powerful statement coming from a professor um, that, that, you know, that, that taught people in a university. Listen, we have moved away in our society, in our, in our country, We've moved away from the importance of the Word of God. And the Word of God is there when we kind of need it. It's like, uh, like God is in a box, and when we need that box, we open up the box, and there's God. But it doesn't really affect our everyday life. It's kind of like the Bible. We have them. Right? We have, we have Bibles. Um, uh, some of us have Bibles galore. We have all sorts of different Bibles. We've got family Bibles that we keep records in. We've got uh, Bibles that we keep in our vehicle and Bibles that we keep in our pew at church. And we've got Bibles that we have on our nightstand. And we have got uh, Bibles that we have uh, uh, next to our recliner because, you know, 
It's a long way to have to walk from your recliner to your bed, so you have to have a Bible in both spots. And we got Bibles, I mean, we, literally, we got Bibles everywhere, right? But the question is, not whether you have a Bible, but whether the Bible has you. What kind of time are we spending in God's Word? What, time, what kind of time are we spending in getting grounded in what we know and why we know it? There's a lot of things in life that we've been taught, especially if you've grown up in church. You've grown up in church and you went to Sunday school as a child and you were, you know, you were in church nine months before you were born. Some of you, I mean, you've been in church your whole life. And, um, and you, you, you were raised up in Sunday schools and you were raised up, and, and a lot of you were raised up in a time where they actually taught something, right? A lot of churches now anymore become a babysitting service. That's, that's, all, that's all it is. There are churches, listen to me, there are churches where there are lines to go pick up your children just like school. They go in, they drop their kids off, they go wherever they're going to go. When church is over, they get in line, and some of them are very long lines, and get back in line to pick their children up from whatever, youth group or children's church or whatever it is. And, and uh, people, I mean, it, it just, why? Because once upon a time, a family, a mother and a father would say, hey, listen, I want to I raise my children up to know what's right and wrong. Anymore today, people scratch their head on what's right or wrong. You want to know why? Because everybody is doing that which is right in their own eyes. When everybody's doing that which is right in their own eyes, they're often not doing that which is right in God's eyes or in God's view when it comes to the Word of God. And we've pushed the Bible to the side, and we're no longer grounded, so we're moved every time something new comes along, or if we have a whim, or if our uh, uh, emotions change, or if our situation changes. Do you know how many, it absolutely amazes me, that I've seen through the years, pastors take a strong stand on divorce. Now I want you to know something. I want you to understand something. There are some good, godly people that have been divorced and remarried, that love the Lord, that are serving the Lord. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I want you to know something. God hates divorce. Bottom line. I mean, you can not like it all you want to, but it's the bottom line and it's the Bible. If it was not for the hardness of your hearts, I would have never wrote a bill of a divorcement. So this idea that there's a, you know, this excuse for divorce and all this, listen, uh, I, believe in a, I believe in separation. Sometimes there has to be a separation. Uh, but do you know, how many preachers I've seen take a stand on that and how many preachers' kids have got a divorce and now they take a different stand on it? Because often our situation shouldn't be this way, but often our situation dictates what we believe. What am I trying to say? And I'm just using that as an example. But what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say the Word of God should dictate what we believe because God's Word says it. That's what we should believe. Not because we voted. Not because you think it's a good idea and you think it's a good idea, so I'm going to go over with this group because they think it's a good idea and that good idea. No, no, no. No, what does God think about it? 
And that's where we need to be grounded on is what God says, not what man says. And so uh, we need to be grounded not only in Christ, we need to be grounded in truth. Go over uh, just a few pages uh, to, to the second uh, book of Timothy. Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter number four. Second Timothy chapter number four. We need to be grounded in truth. Second Timothy four. Verse number two, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Make me feel better. That's what I want. You know, you know what we've come to our churches anymore? We've come to our churches and said this, I need a fix. Give me my fix so I can make it through the week. Churches that preach against sin, churches that preach that there's a real hell and there's a real devil are, are diminishing. They're getting smaller. Churches that get up and preach against adultery, get up and preach against the things of this world, are getting smaller and smaller. I'm not saying there's not big churches out there that don't preach against sin, but I'm telling you right now, a lot of them churches, it's just a fix. You're going in there to get a fix. Make me feel better and don't step on my toes. And they preach about joy. I love joy. They preach about love. I love love. <laughs> they preach about mercy and long-suffering. They preach, listen to me, they preach that God wants you to be happy. I'd love to get a chapter and verse on that one. No, God wants you to have joy, right? God wants you to have joy because joy is based on Him and He doesn't change. Happiness is based on circumstances and they change all the time. But come in and let me know that my, the sin that I'm living in, God understands. God, God understands that. No, what should happen is you should come into church and sometimes, praise the Lord, you go out feeling great. Sometimes your toes hurt. Sometimes you think to yourself, who does that preacher think he is? You ever thought that way? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I remember the first few times I went to church. I'm telling you, the first few times I went to church, and they used to take me to those churches where the preacher preached. You ever been to a church where the preacher preaches and spit and slobber are going everywhere? I'm talking about you didn't sit, they didn't sit on the front row because it was the splash zone. I mean, it was, I mean, they get up on pews and they jump, and they come point you out. You'd be afraid to go to the, you'd hold it if you had to go to the bathroom because you'd afraid the preacher would walk right out with you. Where you, son, where are you going? I'm just going to use the... I mean, I'm talking about those churches. I'm talking about where they get up and shout and scream and holler. And I, they'd take me to those churches and they'd plant me right about where Trey was, or where Trey is, and they'd put people on both sides of me. I was unsaved, of course. And that preacher get to preaching. And man, I'm telling you, I get madder and madder and madder. Of course, I blamed it all on the preacher. The preacher didn't even know who I was. A, B, didn't care who I was. He was just up there preaching the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit was doing the job of convicting. 
Because if something's not right in your life, listen to me and listen to me close. If something's not right in your life and you have no conviction, you have done one of two things. One, you didn't get saved because you don't have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. Or you have, you have seared your conscience with a hot iron. And that's a dangerous place to be. Dangerous place to be. And sometimes we sit in the... Okay, yeah, you ever had this happen to you? You sit in, sit in the congregation, the preacher preaches on whatever subject, and man, the Holy Spirit's all over you about something that's completely unrelated. I have, I have gone out uh, of a message before and say, I've heard somebody say, Preacher, thank you, for that. thank you for that message on prayer. I really needed it. I didn't even mention prayer. I mean, I didn't even mention it. It's like, who? Were you listening to a podcast? I mean, what, I mean, it wasn't me who was saying that. Let me tell you who it was. It was the Holy Spirit of God. And that should be the prayer that we pray before we ever enter church. We ought to pray, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Holy Spirit, change me. Holy Spirit, convict me. Holy Spirit, use me. We ought to be praying that prayer when the Word of God is being preached from the pulpit. It's not just the preacher that should be filled with the Spirit. Every one of us should be filled with the Spirit. I read this years ago. I thought it was such a powerful statement. We get nothing out of the services because 99% of the time we put nothing into the services. You don't put nothing in. You ain't going to get nothing out. I mean, I mean, you didn't pray. You didn't. Do you ever come to church and see what you can do to be a help? Do you ever come to church? You know why we usually come to church? And I'm not, I'm not trying to berate anybody. I'm just telling you. Usually, a lot of times, why people go to church is, is to be blessed. I was thrilled this morning. I mean, absolutely over the moon this morning when I had been mention of the Easter coming up and that we needed to have... Um, you know, we need to have people that are going to sing and get all the, and man, we had two or three pews of people full. It's like, I'm the OE of little faith guy. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I mean, they really showed up. I got here to church a a little early uh, tonight. And I thought to myself, did I get the time wrong? I mean, half the parking lot was full. And I'm going, what? Oh yeah, they're going to meet at five o'clock. And they all, you know, we ought to be looking to where we can be a blessing, where we can be a help. What can I do? You see, a man or a woman of God that is grounded isn't looking just to be blessed. They're looking to be a blessing. That's part of truth. That's part of understanding the Word of God. And we're living in a day today where all I can think about is me. What's in it for me? Itch my ears and make me feel good. Say some good things about me. Pat me on the back, preacher, and let me know what a good guy I am. What a great gal I am. They will not endure sound doctrine. Preacher gets up and preaches the doctrine of the Word of God. They don't want anything to do with it. You preach a series on the Holy Spirit? That's boring. Preacher said, one of, one of the guys I love to listen to, has anybody ever heard um, David Gibbs from the Christian Law Association? You ever heard him speak? <laughs> that guy is a f- fabulous speaker. Let me tell you what he does. He tells a story. I remember sitting at Trinity, listening to him tell a story about a duck. 
I mean, he went on and on and on about this duck. It's the first time I ever heard this guy preach. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy stinks. I didn't say that out loud. I just said that in my head. God forgive me. I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is he talking about this duck? I mean, and he went on about the duck's family and the pond that the duck swam in. And I'm going to myself, oh my goodness, I am going to die listening to this guy. And then, man, he just related that to the Word of God and talking about, I mean, he had half the congregation crying about a stupid duck. And then he started talking about the Word of God and started talking about souls. And I'm talking about 20, 24, 25 years ago. I'm thinking to myself, wow, what a, how can we get so emotional about a story like this and care less about people? Right? Let me tell you how. We've gotten selfish. We've gotten to think that everything's about me. And I've got to have my way. And if I don't have my way, you ever, any of you ever have kids like this? I don't have my way, everybody's going to be miserable. You ever seen them in a restaurant? You ever seen them in a grocery store? You ever see the parent? I love the parent. This is my favorite parent. My favorite parent is, go ahead, scream as loud as you want. You're not bothering me. Yeah, you're bothering everybody else in the restaurant. So um, you might want to get your kid under control, right? But no, I mean, it's all about me. And, you know, it's understandable. They're children. It's not understandable when you're a grown adult. It's not all about you. We need to get grounded in what we believe and why we believe it and not be swayed with every wind of doctrine. And because they will not endure sound doctrine... And because they've turned their ears from the truth and turned them towards fables, there are enemies when it comes to truth. Think about these three things. Think about three enemies to the truth. Enemy number one, apathy. What is apathy? I just don't care. I just don't care. We're living in a world today that just doesn't care. They don't care about people. They don't care about church. They don't care about spiritual things. They don't care about God. It's absolutely mind-boggling to me, the apathetic state that we find ourselves in in our country today. And apathy is is an enemy to the truth. Why? Because apathy says just close the book. Just, just, just close it, put it to the side. It doesn't matter anymore. The Word of God is out of date. The Word of God is no use today. The Word of God, and we come up with all these excuses why we're taking God's Word out of everything. And it's a, and it's a listen to me, God's Word is offensive to me. Praise God. It's offensive. Let me tell you something. It's, I want you to know, it is offensive. When God says that you're a sinner and you're in need of a Savior and without me you're going to die and go to hell, I don't know about you, but that's offensive. It's meant to be offensive. Now, how we handle it shouldn't be offensive. You see, we're supposed to speak the truth, but we're supposed to speak the truth in 
love, right? So how I handle the truth matters. But when it comes to God's word, listen, two-thirds of the gospel is negative. We are sinners. We have all failed. We have all missed the mark. We're in the need of a Savior without Jesus Christ. We reject Him. We die and go to hell forever and forever. That's just flat out negative. I'm glad there's a positive part of it that Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day. By the way, there's some negative to that too. Jesus Christ had to suffer bleed and die, shed his innocent, perfect blood just so that you could have a relationship with with God. Right? So we've got to understand this concept, this idea, and stop being so apathetic. Because the Word of God does matter. The Word of God does change lives. The truth does matter. You ever ever think about this? We're so apathetic anymore that... Have you ever said this? I'm a people watcher. Anybody else like to watch people? I used to love, when, when there used to be malls, there's like, like not really any malls left anymore, but when there used to be malls, Wendy would go shopping and I would sit on the bench because I just love to watch people. Now I think to myself, <laughs> you came out of that house looking like that. Now, I was judgmental. I'm just telling you. Uh, I was judgmental. But I'm thinking to myself, this is what I said. Have you ever said this? Somebody didn't love you enough to tell you that you should have never walked out of the house looking like that. My wife, you can tell her. I don't care. You can tell her. She's got a pair of sandals. I said, babe, you can't go out of the house with those sandals on again. I mean, we went out and did something. And she had these, they're like these rubber-looking sandals that are apparently one of the most comfortable things that you've ever put on. I said, listen, we can't be seen together like that again. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just telling you, you ever said that? You ever said that to somebody? Listen, love somebody enough to tell them, listen to me, if I'm talking to you and I have a booger hanging out of my nose, right? Am I Right? I want somebody to tell me. If I come out of the bathroom and I just went to the bathroom and, and everything is tucked in and I got toilet paper hanging out the back of my drawers, <laughs> I want somebody to love me enough. Am I telling you the truth? Listen, I'm telling you the truth. And if you love somebody enough, you're going to say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You might want to get a Kleenex before you go out. This morning, I told Brother Larry, I said, after Sunday school, you ever feel like you got something? Something's going on somewhere, but, but you, I don't know if you saw me in Sunday school this morning. I just, I did it like this a lot because I just felt like there was something right there. And then people, everybody's looking at you. Well, they're supposed to be looking at you. You're, you're talking, you're speaking. And so I'm thinking to myself, I know I'm going to go in the mirror and I know there's going to be something on my face. Praise God, all that was there was a beard. But I, I'm saying, you, you feel that you want somebody to say to you, wait a minute. Hold on, something's wrong. Listen, if you love somebody enough, you'll tell them the truth. You'll speak the truth. Will it hurt their feelings? It might. It might. I remember the first time I shared the gospel with my parents. It wasn't a good experience. It wasn't a good experience. I, I, don't, I don't want any part of that. Don't talk to me about that. I, don't. I remember the very first day, I've told you this before, 
Um, I told some of you this before. I had just gotten saved. I went home on leave. And um, my dad pulled up in front of a, the pharmacy. When I say the pharmacy, it's because it's the only pharmacy for like 140 miles. And he parked, he parked the car. And there's, you know, you leave the car running where I'm from. You know, you, and you go in, you do your business, you come back out. If the car's missing, it's because somebody borrowed it, they'll bring it back. That's the mindset that they have up there. I'm like, Dad, it's crazy. It's not like that anywhere else in the world. But anyways, he, he pulls up and, and he says, i got to run in. i got to get Lynn's uh, prescriptions. Uh, I'll be right back. Go over to Stewart's. Now, Stewart's is kind of like uh, our Parker's. Go over to Stewart's and grab me a six-pack. Quandary. That's what I said. Uh-oh. What am I going to do? Now, there was zero doubt of what my dad was talking about. Zero doubt. I said, yes, sir. I jump out of the car and I run over to Stewart's and I get the six-pack. I put it in a bag. I come back. We get in the car. We drive back to the, drive back to the house. We get in the house. He gives Linda the prescriptions. And um, I said, Dad, I'll put it in the refrigerator. He said, no, I want one right now. I said, no, I'll put it in the refrigerator. He said, no, I want one right now. What's wrong with you? Well, I pulled out a six-pack of Coke <laughs> And my dad said, are you out of your mind? Now, listen, this is not like you just get in the car and go to the corner. I mean, we're talking about like, like 30 miles to go to the store where we live. And, uh, and he, so he wasn't going to go back. And we had a whole quandary about that. And he said, listen, I don't want to hear. You knew it. I mean, we had a discussion. It didn't go well. Okay. So sometimes what you believe is going to bother somebody else. Sometimes it's going to bother somebody that you love. Sometimes it's going to bother somebody that you've been around your whole life. But it doesn't change the truth. And the truth is already settled. Now, you need to do it in the right way. I probably could have figured out a different way to do that. I was a baby Christian at the time and was really, was really in a quandary of what to do. But you know, there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. God says to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, right? The Bible says a, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. And so there are right ways to say things and wrong ways to say things. But when it comes to the truth, you don't have to water down the truth. You don't have to talk around the truth. Here it is. This is what God's word says. And if you have a problem with it, you'll have to talk to God about it. I didn't say it. God said it. And so being grounded understands that we don't have to be apathetic to the truth. We can preach, thus saith the Lord. Enemy number one is apathy. Enemy number two is apostasy. Often apathy will lead to apostasy. What does apostasy say? Apostasy says there is no Bible. It's just words. Apostasy says, listen, there is a, a, a completely turning away from God, completely turning away from holy things, completely turning away from the Scriptures. What I say has as much validity as what the Bible says. Do you know, in, not to pick on anybody, but just as an example, in the Catholic Church, when the Pope speaks, he speaks ex nihilo. What does that mean? It means what he speaks is just as good as and equal to the scriptures. Time out, folks. That's a danger. 
That's a big danger. What we say is not equal to the Word of God unless we're speaking the Word of God. Because God's Word is God's Word, not your Word. And apostasy has become a, a, a grave problem in our country when it didn't used to be. Didn't used to be. Listen, unsaved families, unchurched families had Bibles. It's absolutely amazing to me how we've turned away from all that. Number three, the, the, the third enemy of truth, not only is apathy and apostasy, but number three is adversity. Adversity. For some way, somehow, we've got in our heads, because we're Christians, we should never have any adversity. We think that if a hurricane comes through, it should just get the unsaved. When it rains and downpours and, and it ruins something, it should ruin everybody else's stuff but my stuff because I'm a Christian. And if I'm a Christian, bad things shouldn't happen to me. But you didn't get that from the Bible. If I, if I listen, when I became a Christian, listen, I, I expected never to be sick again. You didn't get that from the Bible. These things happen to the just and to the unjust. And this idea that we're never going to face adversity is not a biblical idea. And we've got to understand that often adversity turns us away from the truth, turns us away from God because we're not grounded and we don't understand what adversity is. You know, often what adversity can do, it can bring us closer to God. Often adversity brings us to a place of learning. Did you know that? Because sometimes you're just too stinking hard-headed. You ever been too hard-headed? I'll ask your spouse. Sometimes we're so hard-headed that we can't believe it, or we're not going to believe it, or we're not going to follow it until it happens to us. And often, I'm telling you, often adversity comes in our lives because God, you know, the Bible says that we need to clothe ourselves with humility. We need to learn to be humble. And if we don't, God has a way of teaching us. And sometimes it's through adversity. Now, I'm not saying that every bad thing comes because it's a punishment. I'm not saying that. We know that through Job. But I am telling you that sometimes God brings things in our lives to wake us up, to make us realize, hey, I'm trying to teach you something. Sometimes I think we get a little bit of a wrong idea about it. Like when something happens, we think to ourselves, okay, what is it I'm supposed to learn? That should be a prayer you should pray, by the way. What am I supposed to learn? And then something else happens, you think to yourself, well, I guess I'm not learning it. And then something else happens. And sometimes it just happens because we're, in, because we're part of the human race. But sometimes we've got to understand that adversity will do one of two things. It will push you closer to God or it'll push you farther away from God. Don't allow adversity to be an adversary to the truth. Don't let it be an enemy. Don't let it push you away and push you away and push you away. So many people are out of church today, out of their Bible today, off their knees today. They're all these things just because somebody did something to them. God didn't come through or what they thought or perceived God should have come through with. And they just allowed the problem that they were facing instead of them drawing them closer to God. 
It got them further away from God. And as we get further away from God, let me tell you what we get on. We get on shaky ground. We get on shaky ground. You're driving. You ever, you ever, you ever drive up 95? I'm telling you, when you cross, and it doesn't take us long, obviously, because we're right on the South Carolina border on 95, but you cross that, you cross that river, 95 is like a third-world country road. I mean, it's absolutely terrible. All the way through South Carolina, the roads are absolutely terrible. I mean, you almost, you almost have to, Brother Randy and I were just talking about this today, you almost have to drive in a fast lane. Why? So you don't fall into a ditch on the right-hand side where the, you know, the, the, the road is give way. Or you, hit, you know what's even worse? When it's rained and there's water and you don't know how deep it is, and you hit that thing, like your whole car goes in it, you know, and you, all right, great, I'm about to change my, you know, change my, change my tires and change my shocks and change, because I hit this uneasy hole. I hit this uneasy pavement. I hit this uh, uh, terrible place in the road. Let me tell you what adversity, the enemies of truth, when they push you the wrong way, I'm telling you, you're getting on bad roads. You're getting on bad roads. You're getting on shaky ground. And the people who are way out there, you met them? I mean, what they believe is just what? You believe what? Listen, there are some really intelligent people. Intelligent people scare me, by the way. I mean, really, really intelligent people that believe some crazy, wackadoodle things. Uh, Somebody, listen, we don't discuss it. We don't talk about it. I've... I pleaded my case, and I'm just not arguing with the fact. I don't know if you know this or not, but it's back around that we, the flat, flat earth. Have you heard the, have you read the arguments on flat earth? And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about really, really intelligent people. And I said, listen, I'm not talking about theory here. I'm talking about fact. Flat earth facts? Yes, and they'll go into this long dissertation about all this, the water and how it's layered and how this comes. I'm thinking to myself, what do you do with the circle of the earth from the scriptures? It's the only argument I need. The Bible says, God says the circle of the earth. What do you do with that? Well, outside of that, no. When you get outside, this is my point. When you get outside the truth, you can believe anything that comes along. Because that wind of doctrine starts pushing you this way, starts pushing you that way. I mean, starts, you start believing this stuff, you start believing that stuff. I love it. Me and, my, me and my mother-in-law get into it all the time. I mean, all the time. She does not believe that we landed on the moon. It don't matter what you believe or whatever. It, and really, to me, it doesn't matter. I just love just getting her riled up. I mean, she just gets, just gets fired up about it. About, about landing, whether we landed on the moon or not. Mom, there's proof that, no, oh, no, we don't. And she goes into this big, long dissertation about why we, why we never landed on the moon. I'm like, Mom, all you're doing is repeating what you've heard. Oh, and she gets fired. And then I walk away and leave her, leave her upset. God forgive me. But anyways, um, but people, you know, listen, we believe, isn't this true? Even when it comes to the truth of the word of God, we believe what we want to believe. We believe what we want to believe. Nobody's going to tell us otherwise. Nobody's going to convince us otherwise. And when you get away from the truth, you start believing different things. 
You start believing that you can lose your salvation. You start believing that baptism is necessary for salvation. You start believing some of these false doctrines that are out there. You start believing that, hey, maybe this isn't for the church age, and maybe this is, I mean, we should take a penknife and, and cut out uh, all of the Old Testament. Uh, matter of fact, uh, not only the Old Testament, but all the way up to the New Testament, Acts is a dispensational, or a, 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 a um, um, what is that called, a transitional book. And so cut out Acts, all the way from Acts uh, back to Genesis, cut all that out, and then you go up to Romans, uh, and I believe it's Jude is a, is a transitional book, and so you can check, cut that out and take all that out, and it's just that part's for the church. There's, you'd be surprised how many people believe that. It's just, just to, now, we say this all the time, right? Not all the Word of God is to us, but all the Word of God is for us. If you read the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew is written to the Jew. I mean, it's obvious. It says right in the beginning it was written to the Jew. But that doesn't mean it's not applicable for us. You can't take the Word of God and pick and choose what you want to believe. What we believe is not based on what we perceive to be the Word of God. What we believe is based on what God's Word says. And what God's Word is settled, what God's Word says is settled, Therefore, we believe it. And therefore, God bless you, we have a foundation that cannot be moved. A foundation that will not crumble. The winds of doctrine, listen, they're going to crumble. The things that come along, they're going to crumble. God and His Word will never crumble. Heavenly Father, we love you. Would you thank me this time that we can just look into your word? And I pray, Lord, that you would look into us. Help us to be grounded. Help us to be a church. Help us to be a people uh, that is grounded in Jesus Christ and grounded in the truth. Dismiss us with your blessing. Give us a good week this week. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you're going to the Y,